I am certain that you remember the very first job that you had. For me, uh, we were living in Glenwood, Arkansas, a population of about 1,200 people, and um, I was in the seventh and eighth grade. In the eighth grade, I figured out a way that I could make some money. Our next door neighbor across the street, his name was Red, and Red had a little car lot in his front yard, maybe seven or eight cars that he was trying to sell. And so he had asked my dad if I might be interested in washing the cars. And I said, hey, that's a great way to make a little bit of money. So he hired me to to wash and then wax the cars. I had never learned yet the wax on, wax off moves. And so I was still very novice in in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, I I thought about, okay, this is great. I'm going to go to work, wash and wax these cars. It's going to give me enough money to go down to the local 7-Eleven just down the street and play the arcade games. I can't wait. It's going to be great. In my mind, that's how I was thinking. And so I went over and learned. He kind of showed me some moves and how to, how to really work in, in little crevices and, and really get rid of all the dirt. And then, then the waxing job and getting rid of all the wax at the end of the day. But come week two and three, things still just didn't look quite right for good old Red. And Red let me go. He said, you got to go. Well, there are some things that we're not called to do. And definitely anything to do with vehicles Uh, other than making the purchase, is not in my wheelhouse. I mean, I don't know how the things work really, and if something's wrong, I call up good friends to help me out. Um, I just turn the key and get in, make sure there's gasoline. That's kind of all I know about vehicles. Vehicles are not my calling. And maybe you've done something in your life too, where once you got into the middle of it, you thought, man, this is definitely not my my calling, and you kind of backed off of that a little bit. But church, I want to tell you this morning that one thing that we are all called into, and that is the story of God. Every single person here has been called by God, and we're listening to that voice of God and leaning into His calling along the way. You and I have been called into this special story of God, using your story to tell the story of Jesus all around us. And for you, maybe thinking about calling might be one different thing than where we're going to kind of plant our our feet today. And I'm so glad you're here because we're launching this three-week series called Called by God. And we're going to jump into the idea that Paul wants to tell all of us how we are called into the story of God, what that means for each and every one of us. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to turn there. We'll be there for just a moment uh, as we uh, kind of book in this sermon this morning in that, that location. We're going to look at a couple of other places too. But you're very special and unique. God has loved you even before time began. Paul's going to remind us of that in text today. And everything that you do is, should be an effort rather, to lift up the name of Jesus in your life. That's the kind of life that we have been called into. And so as we kind of dig in here, this first text, it's from Ephesians, and Paul wrote this from a a Roman prison cell about 61 AD. He realizes he's at the end of his life. He's done everything he can for the cause of Christ. He's lived into his calling for sure. And he's writing that church in Ephesus and he's letting them know, don't forget your calling. You have something very special to do. And because we have that letter in our New Testament, Paul calls us to that same task today. He wants us to live into our calling. 
Now, I want to encourage you over these next three weeks, Ephesians is only six chapters long. Get into Ephesians and begin reading the rich visual imagery that Paul gives all of us for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Ephesians is really split into two two different parts. The first three chapters, Paul digs in and he reminds us of what God has done for us. We didn't deserve it, but he loved us enough anyway to send his son to die for us. He says, everything that you have, God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. And so he sets it up, the first three chapters, this is what God has done for you, church. The last three chapters are, because God has done this for you, this is how we're called to live. That's the way Paul kind of sets this letter up. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul reveals that turn where he's going to make this turn to impassionally, emotionally charge us to live out the life that we've been called. Paul starts with saying, God has done all of this for you, and then he uses the word, therefore. Take a look at verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says, Therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I mean, do you hear that, that emotion that Paul has in this text? Read it slowly. He says, I beg you. He's on his hands and knees. He has got his hands together pleading with the church, please live out the life you've been called into so that Jesus Christ will be glorified. That's who I want you to be. That's who God has called you to be. We live in a world that that really places more emphasis on different things than what Paul is reminding us our call is to. We live in a world that hangs their hat on lots of victories every day. The number of uh, degrees you have on your wall or the nameplate on your office door or the amount of money you've got in the bank or what you drive, that's what the world holds dear. But Paul is reminding us it is not about that at all. And innately, as we listen and lean into the voice of God, it reminds us that we've been called to a greater purpose. We've been called to something much grander than what the world could ever offer us. And so as we begin this series, I really want us to, to invite the Holy Spirit into our life and our, eye, our lives, into our very soul, to guide us and direct us and to prompt us to listen to the voice of God, His calling on our life, and then what that leads us to do. So let's begin this series in prayer, if you will. Let's bow. Father, we come to you this morning, first of all, acknowledging that you are the God. There is no one else like you. God, you are an incredibly awesome Father who has pursued us through all of time. We are your children. What a blessing it is to become and call your sons and daughters. And God, as we dig into this idea over the next few weeks, I pray that on our hearts we would embrace the sacred idea of calling that we would recognize and realize the kind of life as followers of Christ you have chosen for us, how we are set apart, how we are holy and different than the world around us. I pray, God, that you would prompt us to make decisions in our life that would lift up the name of Jesus at every turn. I pray, God, that you would move us and direct us and guide us. 
It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You know, we live in a world that is insta-famous all the time, right? You're on the social media platforms and you kind of see how people have a side hustle and they begin being noticed because of what they are and what they do. Uh, Brand names are built that become household names almost overnight. But again, I want to reclaim the sacred language of calling. What do we need to do in our lives? Who do we need to be in our lives that God has called us to? And so we start with the question, what does it mean to be called by God? And I want to start with the word that Paul uses here in this very first verse that we read. And the word, the Greek word, the original word is kaleo, and it means to call. Paul uses this idea as we interact in the world that God's created around us and the world, the story that he calls us into. There are about 16 different important words in our New Testament that use this word as a, as a root word, if you will. I'm going to give you three of those this morning that I think are important. One is in the text we looked at just now, klesis, it's the calling that God has on our life, paraclete, is in the original language meaning uh, comforter, but it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have to leave this world so that the comforter, the counselor, will come to you and be able to guide you. And the last one is really important for all of us because it's so inclusive. It's ecclesia. It's the called out ones or the church. That's what you're known as in the world around us. And in original language, you are the called out ones. We are the church. We're the chosen ones. And when you realize that you have been sent by God, when you are called out by God, you're leaning into that calling that God has placed on your heart, it creates an impact in your day-to-day work and life. Because church, being church is more than just a Sunday morning event. Amen? Wow, are y'all asleep this morning? I'm not sure. (laughs) Church is more than just a Sunday morning event. Isn't that right? Thank you. Yes, it's so true. It impacts our every single day life. Every single piece of who we are is worship to God. And so we go out every single day, no matter the day of the week, and we want to lift up the name of Jesus. So important that we recognize that idea. Because if you're called by God, you're on mission. But if you're anything like me, there are moments in life where you kind of think through and you're, you're kind of analyzing what's going on around you. And there have been moments in my life when I ask, have I missed God's calling? I'm listening, but, but maybe I missed what I'm supposed to be doing. And in those contexts, so many times, at least in my life, maybe you too, I've been asking the question, for instance, should I be going to this school or this school? What school am I called to go to? What's God's will in my life? Or should I follow this career path or this career path? I've got a couple of jobs in front of me. Should I pick this job or this job? Should I marry this person or this person? Should I root for the Dallas Cowboys this year or somebody different? I don't know, God. You tell me. I mean, we get into this kind of routine where we're wondering what God's calling is in my life. And if you hear nothing else, this is the most important thing I want you to take away today. Calling is about who you are, not what you do. Calling is about who you are, not what you do. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, For God saved us 
and called us to live a holy life. A life that is set apart for God, specifically every day lifting up the name of Jesus in our everyday life. That's the life we're called to. It is about who you are, not what you do. We're called into the story of God. And Paul didn't say in text, he said, he said, God could call you to be a missionary in Africa. Now that is true. You could be a missionary in Africa, but that's not your calling. Paul didn't say he's called you to be a second grade teacher in the public school system in Texas. He could, you, you could be there doing that, but that's not your calling. You could be called, you might feel that, that Paul has called you to be a professional gamer. I don't know in your life, but that's not your calling. It's not a job or a task, but to live a holy life. It's about who you are, not what you do every day of your life. The rest of that text in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Do you realize that? You have been called into the story of God before time ever began. Before history was written, you've been called into the story of God. Who you are is way more important than what you do. Calling is really about what you're becoming, not what you're doing. You see, the word holy means set apart for God. We've been called to a holy life, living that holy life. And so before you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were in the world, you were part of the world, you were consumed by what the world was doing around you, you wanted to be a part of that. You had sin in your life. But then once you said yes to Jesus, once you were baptized into his name, you were made to look righteous because you put on Jesus Christ. Not for anything that you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And so once you say yes to Jesus, you're not in the world anymore, you're holy, you're set apart, you're different than the world. And Paul says, you're called into that holy kind of living every single day, not just one day of the week. In other words, we're not driven by what the world is going to offer us. You have been called by God, infused by Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live into that calling. It's nothing that you and I can do on our own. It must be the Holy Spirit working in our life to achieve that very idea. Because when you look closely at the New Testament, it never says that you and I are called into a certain career path or a job. But it does say that we're called to look a whole lot like Jesus Christ. We're called to live the kind of life that Jesus Lived. And so the question, or better question might be to ask this morning, is who am I called to become? And every day when our feet hit the floor every morning, that should be the question for the day. Today, God, who have you called me to become? Who should I look like? That very question is a part of our mission statement. You've probably seen this banner up here and maybe wondered what these three words really mean. They're an abbreviated version of our mission statement here at Crosspoint. Crosspoint exists to help people come into a relationship with God, connect with other people on the journey, and become more like Jesus. 
That's what we want in life. That's what God wants for us. That's what he's calling us to, is to become more like Jesus. I'm called, I feel called to be a preacher and a pastor and a church leader, but I'm also called to be a dad and a husband, and those are things that I do in my life. And what Paul is trying to remind us here is that who you are in any context is way more important than what you do in any context. We're called to look like Jesus. Because I, I, I could be a preacher, but not living the holy life that I've been set apart for. And if that is the case, then I'm not living into my calling. I, I could be a, a great husband and a great dad, but if I'm not living those ideas into the holy living that I've been called and set apart for, then I'm not answering the calling of God in my life in those areas of my life. You see, calling isn't about something important that you're going to do in the future. It's about your faithfulness to Jesus today. It's not something we're aiming for in the future. It's how we're living that out each and every day. I love this next verse we're going to look at because it is so inclusive in this idea of calling. No one gets left behind in the kingdom of God. He wants every one of us involved in his story living that out each and every day, however different that might look in each one of our lives. Take a look what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. He says, whatever, whatever, all right, y'all, y'all say that with me, that one word, whatever, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, Whatever that looks like in your life, do it for the glory of our risen Savior. And over the years, I've gotten to know several of you, and I know that all of us have different kind of career paths or jobs that we do. I know some of you are in real estate. Some of you are professors at a university. Some of you work on those vehicles that I know nothing about. Uh, Some of you are public school teachers. Uh, Some of you are in the banking industry. And the list goes on, but Paul says, whatever that is in your life, there's no necessarily right or wrong in those choices. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. That's your calling. Every single day, more than just Sunday morning. And sometimes, maybe we feel in our own lives that the thing we're called into isn't as big as we'd hoped it would be. There's a couple of stories, I think, that illustrate this. Mark chapter 10 and 11. Now, on Wednesday nights, we have uh, the young adults that are here at Cross Point at our home, and Robin and I love having that connect group on Wednesday nights. We're studying through the Gospel of Mark, and uh, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you guys and hearing where you're at in life and your story, but then how that plays into looking like Jesus every day. Thank you for coming and being a part of. It's great. But in Mark chapter 10, There's a moment where Jesus is hanging out with the 12 disciples, and the story really is kind of underhanded. It's kind of backdoor-ish, because there are two disciples who really are trying to leave the other 10 out, it seems like. And it's a reminder that they really don't know yet who Jesus is. They've seen the miracles. They've heard the teaching. They've been around him at the campfire, the camaraderie. All of that is evident. But there's a moment where James and John pull Jesus aside 
kind of over in the corner in the shadow while the other ones are away. And they say, Jesus, I've got a question for you. In another gospel, it's actually their mother who asked the question. But James and John say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit on your left and your right? Because I want to be important. I want to be special. I want to be Instagram famous. I want to be well-known. I want to, when I walk into the room, I want people to say, oh, there's James and John. Hey, they're right next to Jesus all the time. They've got it going on. They've got the inside scoop. We want to be those kind of guys. And Jesus in the conversation turns it on a dime and he says, maybe you don't understand. My kingdom doesn't look like that. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, then it means you're going to have to be the servant and the slave of everybody. And I, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that conversation. I, I would love to have seen their demeanor in the moment. Getting schooled by the Messiah. You're a bit prideful right now. You're a bit underhanded right now. You're a bit uh, egocentric right now. My kingdom is not about any of those things. It's about serving everyone around you. That's what my life is about. And then in Mark chapter 11, the very next chapter, this story doesn't mention which two disciples, but I can only imagine, based upon chapter 10, what two disciples it actually is. So my interjection into the story is that it's also James and John. The text doesn't say that. But there's a moment where the triumphal entry is about to happen. Jesus and the disciples are approaching uh, Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And as they approach the city, Jesus has gotten so incredibly popular I mean, he's done incredible miracles. His teaching is far and above the religious leaders of his day. He has provided for those who have come to him for assistance. He is an incredible man of God. And everyone in the area believes this could very well be the Messiah that we've been waiting on to kick out the Romans and let's get reestablished like God wanted us to way back in the day. So they're walking down the road headed to Jerusalem and it says that the people begin to come out to the roadside welcoming him in. Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And you can imagine the pomp and circumstance, at least from the viewpoint of the disciples. That's right. We're with him. That's our guy. Yeah, he didn't call you. He called me. But hang around. There may be something for you later. And they're kind of feeling this kind of excitement and look who I am. People are coming out with palm branches, laying those down on the road. And for an Israelite with a cut palm branch, that's like us waving the American flag. It's that nationalistic kind of feeling. This is the guy who's going to get us back on track. And as they approach Jerusalem, they're getting close to the city gate. The text says that Jesus called two disciples. Again, I think it's James and John. It doesn't say. Calls them over. I need you guys to go ahead of me into the city. And I can only imagine, if it's James and John, only imagine what they're thinking. This is it. This is where it gets exciting. People are going to know who we are. I'm sure he's probably going to ask us maybe to set some tables up in the city gate, maybe put some brochures out, some bottles of water, maybe even do a couple of miracles, get the crowd warmed up. You know, the, the Messiah is coming in. This is going to be great. Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he says, uh, when you go in the city gate, you're going to see a guy with a water jar. I want you to follow him and you're going to see a donkey. Bring that donkey to me. I can just see their demeanor. <laughs> Excuse me? 
You know, we left everything for you, Jesus, and you want us to go get a donkey for you? And they're not happy with the situation. It's not at all what they thought. It's not what they thought they were being called into. But that idea in the story reminds me of something that's so important for me to remember every day as well. This idea, the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. Each and every one of you are being called into the story of God. And it doesn't matter how big or small the thing is that you bring to the story. God is going to use that for his glory. He is calling you. And it doesn't matter how small you think that is. It will never decide the impact of that moment. I'm thinking about in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. There's a young shepherd boy who's on an errand from his dad, taking food to his brothers who are out in the field. They're in the army. And when he gets there, he delivers the food, but then he hears a giant cursing the name of his God. And he says, I don't think that's going to happen today. And David goes and gets two, three, four, five stones from the brook, but it only takes one. And he puts that giant down that is opposing his God. It doesn't matter the size of what you bring that takes care of the impact of your story. Or in the New Testament, Jesus is teaching and hundreds are coming and then thousands are showing up and it's late in the day and there's only one little boy who's brought his happy meal. There's a few fish and a few bread pieces in there and the disciples bring it to Jesus and say, this is all we got. And Jesus ends up breaking that bread and the fish and he feeds thousands with leftovers. It doesn't matter how small the thing is you believe you bring to the story of God, it will never affect the impact that it can have for God and his story. Because see, church, you are set apart. You are chosen by God. You are called by God. And so he's reminding us, whatever you do, know your calling. It's about who you are before what you do. And you are a child of God. You are sons and daughters of the most high God. And when you leverage your life so that there is less of you and more of him, well, when it's about his name that you're lifting up, not your own name, when it becomes about the one who gave his life for you, you won't need to find your calling because your calling will find you. We are called into that story of God. It will take over you. And then something as meaningless as going to get a donkey will have significant meaning in your life and the life of those around you. You are called to a who before a do. You are set apart. You're special. Not living by the world's standards. And so one day you may wake up and you see that somebody is in need. And so as a follower of Christ, you simply slow down and you attend to that need. You're called into that moment, that particular day. Or you see someone who is hurting, who reaches out to you for help and support. And so you stop and you listen and you help them bear the burden that they are experiencing through their tears. You might be called to love a spouse right now. That's very difficult to love. Or you may be called to pray for a child who's walked away from God and continues to walk 
away. You may be called to confess sin that, that inhibits your ability to mature in faith and your following of Christ. You may be called to build a business in a certain part of town and don't ever say that that's not a spiritual endeavor because whatever you do for the cause of Christ, do it for his name to be lifted up. Whatever you do, you do it for his glory, not for yours. And what am I called to do? Well, it starts with who before do. I mean, I'm called to be a a preacher. I feel called to be a pastor and a church leader. I'm called to be a father, a friend, a dad. But it's not about what I do. It's how I do those things. It's who I am in the middle of all of those moments. And Paul says, as we close out, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, because of all that God has done for you, therefore... I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Every day, every conversation, every interaction, every decision that you make should be to lift up his name. You should be leaning into the voice of God calling you in a direction to look more and more like his son Jesus every single day. And so as we finish out our morning together, and I'm so glad again that you were here and joining us online as well, I want to pray for all of us again that the Spirit would rest on us during this series, would prompt us to move maybe in a different direction, that whatever temptation or hindrance might be in the way, that He would remove that for you. After our prayer, we'll sing a song, and during the singing of that song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. And I would encourage you to step out of your seat, step out of your comfort zone, go find one of those couples, let them pray for you and over you, reminding you that you have been called by God. You are chosen. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God, brothers, sisters to a risen Savior. So let's pray together and ask God to bless us. Father, again, we come to you just celebrating the fact that you are an incredible God. You are an amazing God. And I pray, God, that your spirit would rest upon us individually, but also as a congregation. That, God, you would move us in ways that maybe we never thought possible, that we would release to you our very selves in order that your name might be glorified. I pray, God, that we would each hear the calling of your voice into your story, and that every single day would be, on our part, a desire to look more and more like your son, Jesus. God, thank you for calling us from before time even began. God, we are grateful to be called your sons and daughters. Thank you for loving us as much as you did. Help us to live a life worthy of that calling. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand with one voice and praise his holy name.